So tell me if this sounds like you. Every quarter, you look at your 401k balance and you only wonder, is this going to be enough? Am I at least getting close to retirement? Or maybe you even took a little extra initiative and you Googled, how much do I need to retire? Only to find a different answer at every different website or different article. It's loaded with confusing words and tons of ads. And if you're like many of the people I've talked to, every time you try to think about retirement, you just get overwhelmed, confused, and you end up wanting to pour a drink. And you might feel like you're lost trying to figure out retirement and you just wish there was some sort of map. Well, guess what? I created one. It's called Your Early Retirement Map and it's a simple four-part checklist to get you retired ASAP. That's right, retired as soon as possible. I wanted to clear the confusion around retiring and design a formula that you can follow without getting overwhelmed with anxiety. All you have to do is check the boxes on the checklist. And here's the best part, it's completely free. If you follow the link in the show notes and give us your name and your email address, we'll send you the PDF right now. If you go to fikeadvisors.com backslash your early retirement map, or you click the link below, we'll send it to you for free. No strings attached. You get it in your inbox right away. So if you're tired of all the confusion surrounding your retirement, then you need to go to fikeadvisors.com backslash your early retirement map and get your checklist right now. It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike and with me I have the ultimate co-host, Bradley D. Fike. Things just keep looking up every time. I my I'm on a pedestal right now. I feel like I gotta you know pump you up as you know the, my partner in this business, as my dad, as the guy who taught me everything I know. Got to give you a good old pat on the back. Make make sure you know that you're doing a good job. Don't forget the financial guru. Oh no, <laughs> you're definitely not a financial guru. As in, you know the future. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, flexibility. It's oh. all about flexibility. The yoga guru, the the financial yoga over here. Yoga, that's me. That's <laughs> what I was waiting to hear. Well, welcome to our show. We talk a lot about retirement. If you've never been a part of our show, uh, we talk a lot about retirement, specifically early retirement. And lately, we've been going through a series. We did have a slight interruption when we brought on a guest, but we've been going through a series called the Retire ASAP Process. And this is something that we go through with a lot of our clients. Uh, and I actually co-authored a book with a friend of mine, and we talk about some of the major hurdles you have to overcome on your way to an early retirement. There's a lot of things out there that get in the way. Um, we've already talked about Social Security. We've talked about Medicare and health insurance before you qualify for Medicare. You can go back to previous episodes if you want to and listen to those because I think they're really valuable and some of the things that you may be struggling with if you're trying to get yourself retired before you turn 65. Now today we have a special conversation to have and it's one that's near and dear to our hearts because it's something we've spent a lot of time researching. We've done a lot of trainings on. We worked with a lot of advisors nationwide on learning a lot of information about this. It's about investment portfolios. Yeah, lovely discussion for us. Um, most of you probably are going rolling your eyes right now going, oh boy. Do we really do we really have to hear this? Yeah, I I put on my pocket protector this morning and and I, you know, <laughs> polished my glasses so that I could read all the fine numbers on this uh, on these notes that we're going to be going through. Well, and to the average Joe that uh, has a life out there besides the investment world, 
uh, it really is kind of boring stuff. So what you have to do is just find an advisor out there that let them guru it out and wear their pencil protector and you go about your life and enjoy it. But you got to find somebody you can trust and let them sort through it. That's, that's you know, really the key to all of it. Right. And I don't want to go too much into the weeds today because I, I, I mean, I'm not even the greatest expert when it comes to this stuff. There's guys way smarter than me and guys that we actually lean on uh, at Fike Advisors that we, we go out and we talk to these guys who are the real experts as to what information they're looking at and the, and the data they're collecting. Some of that stuff's even over my head, but one of the things that we get to do um, is we get to simplify that for the average Joe, right? And what you need to do personally, if you're a do-it-yourself or if you're listening to this podcast because you're looking for tips to figure it out on your own, uh, there's going to be a lot in here, but one of those things that you need to figure out is what is the best strategy? What do I? Who do I listen to? Where do I get my information? What stuff is valuable to know about a portfolio? And we're going to talk about a few of those things here today. Yeah, and uh, strategy also slash philosophy because philosophy has a lot to do with uh, different investment portfolios and how they're designed based on someone's uh, strategic philosophy. And there's uh, super active guys out there, and there's passive guys out there. Probably the hottest thing going today for most of the do-it-yourselfers is just doing a standard indexing of investments. And uh, we've all been there, and uh, I'm not going to judge one way or the other on that, but that's the simplest form of investing is just buying everything you can. But just remember, when you do that, you're buying the dogs with the with the darlings as well. So your money, uh, you know, maybe half of it in a bunch of companies that have high debt and don't really do a lot for you. And then there's other half of companies that are carrying those dogs. So and you don't know which one's going to be a dog or a darling going forward, right? Sure, sure. I mean, the perfect example is this year. And uh, before I get into that, I uh, just want to give that disclaimer that any numbers we give out today or any information we give out today, we're not giving financial advice, right? We don't do that on this podcast. This is educational information only. We don't know you personally. You need to talk to a professional, whether it's a tax advisor, financial advisor, legal advisor, you need to talk to them for any of your advice. But to go back to what you were saying, Brad, yes, there there is stuff like that going on right now specifically. If you're going to buy an index, the S&P 500, I think I just read the other day that all the performance in the S&P 500 is by the top 10% of the companies in it, top 5%. Oh, if even that, it's most, all, of the all fangs, the companies. most of the fangs are taking it, which are the big tech companies right it's, now. It's wild. So you think if I'm buying an S&P 500 index, what I'm really doing is I'm buying... 480 terrible companies this year. And I shouldn't say terrible as in they're always terrible, but having a bad year. And then maybe 20 really good companies that are carrying the entire weight of the index. So let me ask you this question. Now you're on the S&P 500 index. So if there's 500 companies in the S&P 500 index, correct? That's that's how they calculate yep, it. Correct. So out of those 500 companies, if you knew uh, which 50, the top half, we would just buy those top half, right? Absolutely. So if you know the top half, then you got to know the number one one. So why wouldn't you just buy one company stock who's going to be the hot one going forward? That's true. That makes the most sense, right? And I think that's what most investors want. When they walk in our door, first thing they look at us, they go, all right, what do I need to do in my portfolio to make a bunch of money, right? And I, my answer is always in, in a very disappointing tone, I don't know. Because I don't know who the top one's going to be. And I think this is the problem when it comes to... Uh, investor education out there. Because I think, at least for me personally, when I was taught in school, I was taught uh, in high school, I played the stock picking game. It was, it was actually a lot of fun. I had, a, I had a blast doing it. 
I didn't make any money. I lost all of my money in two weeks. And that's because the stock picking game, the whole goal is do some research on a company, try to predict over the next two weeks what's going to be the best performing company or best performing companies. And you can split your investment however you want. But what are you going to make the most money on in two weeks? And in my, you know, 17-year-old mind, I'm thinking, well, I know exactly who it's going to be. And I, I don't even remember which companies I, I bought into because, you know, most of the tech companies were around. Probably something that had to do with video games or probably something that had to do with, you know, live <laughs> sports or, or something like that that I was really into. But the reality was... I had no idea what the next two weeks were going to bring. I didn't know what these companies were doing. Even if I did the research, you know, even dive deep, which I didn't because I didn't know how to read financial statements then. But even if I dove deep into financial statements, that only tells me the past. That tells me where the company's at right now. It doesn't tell me where the company's going in two weeks. And so the craziness of all this stuff is that many, many people believe that there are there are actual gurus, there's actual geniuses out there that know what the future is going to bring. And the reality is that doesn't exist. Well, uh, give you a perfect example is I had a client two weeks ago call me and wanted to buy a bunch of Apple because he heard that Apple, what is it, Apple Fi, Apple dash Fi or something like that, their new satellite uh, thing they're going to work on direct satellite to cell phone. In other words, your cell phone would be like a modem. Anyhow, he was all anxious and wound up. He says, I'm going to buy some Apple and I wouldn't do it for him. I told him he needed to open up his own online account and go buy it. And it was three days later that uh, the market went berserk and Apple dropped considerably. This was just after the split. Oh, right. And uh, so I just checked with him a couple of days ago and I said, hopefully you didn't buy into Apple because this was like three days before that. And he did not. And he goes, I finally did a little more research and it wasn't a good time to buy into it. So, you know, right now, Apple's like one of the high flyers. Right. So people think, well, I should buy Apple. That's going to just look what it's done for the last 20 years. It's going to do that for the next 20. It's not necessarily going to happen for the next 20. It probably will be a good runner, but you don't know who's going to be on top of the pack because very rarely does a company stay on top of the pack for long periods of time. Right. And I mean, just the, another example of that is maybe Apple is set to fly high for the next 20 years. Maybe they have everything in order. They have all the cash they need. They have all the you know infrastructure. Everything's designed. And then boom, they get hit with a lawsuit that no one saw coming, right? That either bankrupts the company or drives down the stock price because the company's held back from all the things that they were planning on doing. You just don't know. It's the unexpected, right? It's the exactly. unexpected that's the risk that's, that, that's involved with investing. No one can predict the unexpected. I mean, no one knew 9-11 was going to happen, but that had a major impact on the stock market. No one knew, well, a lot of people saw 2008 coming, I should say that, but no one really thought of it as a major crisis coming up on the horizon. And then when the bubble popped, it was a huge issue, right? No one knows when the next coronavirus is coming around. We just, we can't predict the future. Now, there are plenty of people out there that do want to tell you they can predict the future. Like, I don't know, the people on Fox Business or MSNBC, you know, the, the news media guys that are in on a 24-hour news cycle, they have an expert in every hour to talk about what stocks you should buy and shouldn't buy. How do they know anything? Well, they don't really. You know, most of them are selling a newsletter or they're just there to sell a product. Gold guys are infamous for saying that it's doomsday in the stock market. Tomorrow, market's going to crash tomorrow, so you need to buy gold. So I'll take your cash for my gold because that's what's going to be valuable going forward kind right. of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that blows my mind. We've had this conversation on this podcast before. If the stock market or the dollar is going to be worthless, then how come the guy who is selling you the gold 
is selling it to you for dollars. That just doesn't make exactly. sense. Why would he want your dollars for his gold if gold is going to be the future? I just don't understand that. Well, and it's just the it's the news media trying to make money with advertising. So they're not going to put positive spin on anything. They want to put negative spin because that's what us as humans want to hear. We want to hear, we kind of have this bias that we want to hear, oh, gosh, the market's going to crash. Oh, I'm a mess. They, they love that fear. For some reason, there's an internal thing there, and I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist to get into any of that. No, but you're, you're a financial yo guy. I'm a yo guy and uh, very flexible in my financial stature. So, you know, if the cash does go away, then uh, I'll find some gold somewhere. If I, you know, I'm not sure how, but. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think you're right. It is, it's an instinct thing. And, and I think this goes back all the way back to caveman times or whatever we want to say that thousands and thousands of years ago when we were living in worst case scenario all the time right any corner you could turn around you could die to whatever the next predator is around that corner it's all survival mentality right and i think even though we've been living for the last let's say you know for the last 40 or 50 years in a fairly peaceful and secure country it doesn't get away from the instincts that were handed down from generations and generations of humans that say survival is key we need to always be on our toes so I think the play is we we always look for negativity. We do because negativity is threatening to our life. So we want to be aware of what's going on negatively around us, and we don't quite celebrate the positive as much as we do focus on the negative. Yeah, and that's that is that survival bias, and we're looking for something to whet our appetite in that survival mode. So we watch television and we watch the news, and which is I've said a million times on this show, turn off the news because it's a lot of noise, and in my mind it's a lot of garbage but they're there to sell advertising number one remember all news channels are there for one major purpose and that is to make money so they have to sell advertising to do that so they need people watching that show if they have people watching that show then they gotta they've gotta whet their appetite and if survivorship bias is the appetite they're gonna have people watching it and so they're gonna throw crap at you that not necessarily is reality in fact i'll tell you a story yesterday a guy called me and uh, we were talking about the news media and he was talking about how you know if you really think about it everything going on especially the political environment right now coronavirus environment right now hasn't affected him or me one little bit really now let me back that up because coronavirus has affected all of us with the mask wearing and blah, blah, blah. But nobody in his family's had it. Nobody in my family's had it. But the, the election, whoever gets elected this fall is not going to affect our lifestyle one little bit. What happens is when there's a political change in Washington, things slowly change, rules change, taxes change. It really doesn't immediately stop you from going out to eat, from going to the store and buying stuff, from buying toys that you want to buy. I mean, it doesn't really affect your life. It's a long-term effect. But the news media wants to make it sound like it's right now. It's immediate. Your life's going to be miserable tomorrow. Right. And, and that's what I'm, they're selling the worst case scenario, right? They're saying, you know, depending on where you're at on the political side of the aisle, you know, if Trump gets in, it's the end. You know, all 
all things good are, are going to hell in a handbasket. And then on the other side of the aisle, they say, oh, but if Biden gets in, this country is going to be ruined. You know, we're not even going to have an America anymore. It's just going to go. It, there's no there's no positivity to either side. It's it, it's a lose lose situation. It doesn't matter which channel you turn to or who you're watching. You're going to lose regardless of who you choose. Same thing happens in any other news media outlet, whether it's stuff about coronavirus. I mean, how many times and this is the thing that bothered me the most. How many times was it reported on a regular basis how many deaths to, to COVID there had been all the time? I mean, that was the highlight. There was 1,000 deaths, and there was 2,000. Now there's 100,000, whatever it is. There's so many deaths, so many deaths. It's like, can you stop talking about the deaths, and let's talk about some of the good news that's going on out there? Right now, there's very promising vaccine trials going on. Right now, the healthcare industry has completely revamped so many things to continue testing. I mean, there are good things going on out there, but all we can see is that highlight of, oh, how many more people died today of this virus? Like that, that's what sells. And unfortunately, like you said, Brad, the news media is a money making machine. I mean, they have they have people that they employ. They have to pay salaries. They have very high paid executives that are part of all this. They are there to make money. And the best way to make money and the only way to make money in their industry is to sell advertising. And advertisers only want their advertisements on the channel if they know there's going to be a certain amount of people watching or a certain type of people watching. And unfortunately, that can change what news gets reported and what doesn't because they care more about how much money can I get in my pocket from these advertisers than talking about what the rea- the real truth is out there? And I'm not saying that news media in general is bad. We need news. We need someone to do reporting. We need someone to get this information out there. But the problem is we really do depend in the financial side of the world. Many people depend on the news media to tell them what is the future of the markets going to be. They look to those guys on Fox Business or MSNBC or you know whatever it is. They look to those guys and they say, I need to know what tomorrow brings. I need to know what the rest of this year is going to be like so that I can make plans in my portfolio. The problem is they're trusting this guy that knows no more than they do about the future, right? None of us know what the future is. So how can this guy make a decision or help you make a decision six months down the road? He'll claim that he has some special information or he's done some special research, or I've heard they have special algorithms that can calculate what the future forecast is going to be. Well, you've all looked at the weather channel and saw when there's a 90% chance of rain and then it doesn't rain, right? Forecasting is a guess at best. It's an estimated Yes, so we can't trust the news media to guide our finances. That's the biggest that's the biggest thing about this. Well, we can't trust the news media for anything, technically. You know, it's uh, all negative news, all garbage news, it's all noise. I said it before in the show, it's noise, 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 and it's trying to ruin your day every day. And so, if they can't get to you by ruining your day, then they're going to give you some prognosticator on there. It's going to tell you he knows the market. So, if you tie that into what our subject matter is today, which is the markets, they do a great job of giving you false uh, information based on negative information sometimes and positive information sometimes. But neither one, like you say, do they know? Because I'm pretty sure nobody has a crystal ball out there. Do you have one? I don't, but I'm pretty sure whoever does have that crystal ball, they're not out here telling everybody they got a crystal ball, right? That crystal ball is invaluable. So here's the other thing. This is the other mentality thinking here, right? If some guy knows what the future is going to be, or some girl knows what the future is going to be in the markets, and they know that XYZ company is going to just explode over the next five years, Do you think they're going to get on Fox Business and sit here and say, hey, everybody, you should be a part of this? 
Or do you think they're going to take every dollar they can and borrow as much money as they possibly can and invest it in that company quietly and make billions and billions of dollars without anyone knowing, reap the benefits and walk away and do it again with their next crystal ball prediction, right? The reality is future knowledge of what's happening in the markets is a priceless piece of value. I mean, they can do whatever they want with that. Why would they share it? Or in any case, at least why would they give it away for free? And there's always that one guy who had a lucky moment, you know, where they, I've seen them where they go, well, I predicted that crash through three weeks before it happened. And I told everybody to get out of the market and you go, okay, whatever. But you know, there is that, that bragger. You always, everybody knows somebody who brags about how much money they made on a stock or they, how much money they made in their investments. But you know, that's a one-time lucky shot. I'm going to say this lucky shot, not a regular thing. Because if it was, then that guy wouldn't be telling you or a gal wouldn't be telling you anything like you just said. So it's just lucky shots. Period. It really is. So here, let, let's do some some statistics because really a lot of times what's going on with these things, it's the law of large numbers. I flunk statistics, by the way. Don't worry. I'm reading this out of a book. I, I, I'm not uh, actually bringing it off okay, the top I'm of my feeling head. better. I won't make you do any math here, right? All right. So the statistics here, uh, it, it all comes down to the law of large numbers, right? And so it comes down to if there is enough people involved, someone's got to get lucky, right? So perfect example, if we took 35,000 people, and we stuck them into, in our area, that's first, first Energy Stadium, the Brown Stadium, which is a, a place of sadness, right? Oh, good, good Lord. It yes. already started the season off that way. There's next year. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's tomorrow, too. I guess we'll see what happens there. But if we took 35,000 people and we stuck them into First Energy Stadium and we gave them all a quarter and we said, start flipping this quarter, right? And they get some warm-up flips in. They get a feel for it. They can weigh out the quarter. You know, I'll, I'll even, if they want to, we can weigh their quarter, and they can find out the exact, you know, specifications of this quarter, okay? And we take 35,000 people, and we let them flip that quarter. The first time somebody flips, if we only keep the people in the stadium that flip heads, that'll cut it in half, down to 17,500 people, right? Statistically, half of them will get heads, half of them will get tails. Now, there may be some that are, you know, get a few more or whatever, but statistically, you'll be around 17,500 people. And we're just flip. looking for heads only, right? Heads only on this one. And that's even if, you know, I, I give them all the specifications of the quarter, they get some warm-up flips in, they can test out their wrist, they think they got the perfect oh, good Lord. the perfect setup for Stretch, their flipping. some financial yoga like, needs to be there. They feel like they're quarter flipping experts, right? So one flip, half of them gone. Because the reality is flipping a coin, it's very difficult to be a coin flipping expert if it's even possible, right? So half of them are gone. If we did that 10 times and we only kept the people that, flip the heads 10 times in a row how many people do you think would be in there i'm gonna ask you just how many people do you think? oh geez uh we're gonna say uh out of 35,000 i'm gonna go with 5,000 5,000 a little bit smaller it's about it's about 20 so 20 st people statistically about 20 people out of those 35,000 will flip heads 10 times in a row that's pretty ridiculous to be honest i mean in a room of less than that if we had a room of 200 people it's most likely that maybe less than one will actually get there, right? So 35,000 down to 20. But here's the thing. Those 20 people, are they now coin flipping experts or did they just get lucky? I'm going to go with luck because if you did it twice, they wouldn't be the same people. That's the other thing. If we had everybody stand back up, it's probably not the same 20 people who are standing at the end, right? And so here's the deal. 
same thing happens. I guess, let me ask you this. About how many mutual funds do you think are out there in the markets? Well, you must have set this up because there's like thirty-five to 40,000 mutual exactly. funds. Exactly. There's about 35. It's, it's, you're right. It's actually more. This is an older statistic here, right? So there's more than 35,000 mutual funds. And give or take, about 20 or so have wonderful years where they beat the market by massive amounts. But long term, that isn't always the case, right? We Usually the people who have great performance over 10 years, you see their face on a magazine, they get lots of news articles about them. They are the go-to ones for the next 10 years. It's very rare to see them do it again. Yeah. And we get almost uh, once a month, I get mutual funds that did the best, 20 best performing mutual funds so far this year. Comes out almost every month in one of my uh, newsletters. And it's always different. And from one year to the next, let's put it that way, because the high producing ones are usually some sector, oil industry or tech industry. And then whatever's not doing good is the low performers, which this year would be the oil industry. Right. When the tech industry is probably the leaders. So but next year, it could be something else could be healthcare industry. You just don't know. You don't. You don't. And so here's the moral of the story, because we could rant about this for another hour. I think we, we've done this before. We've We've looked at a lot of the data. We've looked at all those mountain charts. We've, we've looked at the past research and realized that no one can predict the future. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't reduce our risk in a portfolio with diversification and, and good choice of your funds and things of that nature. We can do some things that we do have control over, which is reducing risk. But what we have zero control over is what future returns are. We cannot control that. And there's no guru out there that can. And if they're telling you that they can, they're probably trying to sell you something that's going to cost you a lot of money, one, to buy, and it's going to cost you a lot of money in your retirement fund because you don't know what the future is going to bring. That could really be detrimental to your portfolio, especially if it's a high-risk type of an investment. So here's the, here's the moral of the story. And I want to ask you this, Brad. In my opinion, the moral of the story is we need to be very, very careful. If we're going to retire early, we need to be very careful about choosing our investments wisely. We need to choose them for long-term, research-based style of investing. We can't be looking at what the guy is saying on TV is coming in the next six months. We need to be looking at what is the next 20 years going to bring us based off of what information we actually do know. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And probably the biggest problem uh, is behavior. So if we're getting close to retirement, yes, we can't uh, listen to the news media or the next uh, guru in the in the room. But what we have to do is we have to we have to behave, <laughs> you know, as my dad always said, behave, young man. <laughs> uh, still, well, he doesn't tell me that much anymore because I did, never listened. So he gave up. But anyhow, Really, behavior is the key to it. You know, we can't just go, oh, you got me in this great portfolio, but it's not really kicking butt right now. But this guy on TV said, bam, the S&P 500's at a high, the Dow's at a high. I want everything going into there. That's like a pleasure move, right? Right, right. Yeah, now you're now you're starting to look at things, like you say, you're starting to look at them as what makes me feel good, right? Yeah. I'll feel better if I'm in the thing that's performing the best right now. Well, the problem with being in the thing that's performing the best right now is it's already at the top. And what's at the top usually doesn't go all the way up much higher. Now, I can't say that for sure because look at tech stocks, right? We would have said this a while ago that, man, they're at the top. Are they going to go higher? Well, they did go a little bit higher. But the reality is if you wanted to get the best bang for your buck, you need to be in those tech stocks two years ago. You need to be in them at the end of 2018 when the markets had gone down about 8 to 10% at the end of the year. That's when you should have been in them because then over the next two years, you'd have had a massive return. 
Now, unfortunately, no one knew that was coming, so we couldn't get in there at the time. So the thing is, we can't look at them and say, yes, it's going to feel great to get into the tech stock sector now that things are going really good. The problem is we don't know if that's going to be the case for the future. So what we need to do is we need to be smart. We need to diversify. We can't trust these experts to tell us what the future is going to bring, and then we need to double down on certain things. What we need to do is we need to double down on being focused on risk and focused on diversification. Yeah. And so the opposite of that pleasure move where you want to go where things are hot is we want to leave the painful move with the what we're in. So let's say we're in a well-diversified portfolio, which you should be, and you got a fair amount of oil stocks in there right now, and it's dragging your portfolio down. You can't understand why techs that are leading the S&P and the NASDAQ and the Dow are just cranking, but yet my portfolio is not cranking. Well, you got a lot of oil stocks in there, maybe for dividend purposes or various reasons it's in that portfolio well a couple years ago oil stocks were a killer it was pleasure people were making tons of money it's painful right now they are terrible they're doing bad does that mean we need to dump them all that means we would sell them while they're low and go buy tech stocks while they're high like you just said it could be a bubble we don't know that yet nobody knows what a bubble is till it pops But the point is, there's going to be pain. So the pain could be holding somebody's portfolio down because I own a fair amount of these, this sector. It's a, it's an industry that has performed well over long periods of time. It's just in a bad period of time. It will come back, but we still, we can't sell it while it's down. Right. And I think the highlight of what you said right there was over a long period of time. And the problem with us as humans, and I I am just as bad at this as any of the people that we coach here as advisors. The problem with us is that we focus on short periods of time. How long has it felt since March when all this coronavirus stuff has happened, right? March to September has felt like an eternity to me. Maybe not to you guys. Maybe it's flown by. You've had a blast hiding in your house from with quarantine oh, and wearing your mask to the store. Maybe that's you. But for me, it's felt <laughs> like it's been forever, right? But the reality is we haven't even had 12 months of this experience. This is a very short window of time. For many of you, you have decades of life experience, and right now you're so locked in on what's happened the last six to eight months that you can't even think outside of it. What we need to think about as investors is that when we invest in a company or in a group, we need to think three, five, eight, 10, 20 year time periods. We're not thinking about short term three to six months. We're thinking about long term investing because that's where the returns are. That's why we diversify a portfolio because what we can do is over long periods of time, we can see the fruits of our labor of being patient and seeing things play out. Yeah, and that's the piece with the news media because the news media is only going to talk about what's hot when it comes to that, you know, because it's excitement. This is an excitement thing. It's a pleasure thing. And then there's the pain thing. So they don't talk about oil stocks. They do a little bit, but not near as much as they talk about high-flying Amazon, Netflix, Google, all these these top tech companies that are just knocking out of the park. And if you have a well-diversified portfolio, you're going, well, how come I'm not at the peak of my portfolio? Okay, most well-diversified portfolios probably peaked back in January. We were, I mean, not in every case, but in most cases, let's just use as an example. And so now some portfolios have come back quicker depending on how they're designed and some are a little slower, but you still got 
stocks in there or sectors in there that are not knocking it out of the park. And so my portfolio isn't always going to move with what the news media is speaking in the moment. And so this is when people get anxiety. They start calling. They're like, how's come my portfolio is not performing? And you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, it's the news media. That's why I say it's garbage. They're just messing with your head. It's pure noise. Between the news media and your friends at work, those are, those are the two things that are always trying to throw a wrench in your <laughs> investment plans, right? And you know what I'm talking about. If you ever talk to your friend at work and, and when they say, oh, I have this great investment. I've doubled my money in the last like six months or what, you know, they have these massive exaggerations. And here's the thing. Have you ever seen your coworkers actual portfolio? Have you looked at the numbers in there? Because I can tell you it's probably more like a fish story than it is like an actual reality. Because I've heard way too many times clients come in here and say, well, my friend at work said that he's just knocking it out of the park. And I said, okay, well, you're doing pretty good. Well, he says he's doing way better. And I said, well, have you actually seen it? No. Well, can you trust what he says? Because it sounds to me like he may have either a high, high risk type of an investment or he might be telling you a fib. Yeah. And uh, I'll give you another example. Yesterday, I had a phone appointment, a phone review with a longtime client. And uh, the first thing out of her mouth, like, you know, we talked a little bit about how things are going and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, first thing out of her mouth, she goes, my niece said the last quarter, her portfolio just went bonkers. Why didn't mine go bonkers? And I said, well, did you ask her how much her portfolio dipped the first two quarters of this year? No. I go, did she lose a lot in the first two quarters and had a long ways to come back up? I go, your portfolio is positive very nicely this year. And we don't know what risk she has compared to your risk. But the point is, she might have dipped 40, 50% in that first two quarters. And then by the beginning, I should say the first quarter, then by the second quarter, it came back crazy. But right. yours never really dipped that much because she has a 50-50 mix. So you're positive. So if you look from January till now, why don't you compare the two portfolios? Oh, I never thought of that. Right. And that's the other thing too. You know, between the news media, your friends, whatever it is, you have to have comparisons that are apple to apple, right? And a lot of times we will cherry pick and the news will cherry pick what we want to share with our friends and family and what they want to share with us because it either looks really, really good or it looks really, really bad, depending on what we want to paint the picture as. If we don't want you to invest in gold, what are we going to do? We're going to pick a time period that looks really bad for gold, right? We can pick, you know, it wouldn't be the last six months, but we can pick, you know, the last whatever set of years and put, put a window on there that shows the data that we want to show or vice versa. We can do the same thing opposite. We could just show you the last six months of gold and say, see, this is a great investment. When in reality, if we looked at the long term, it may not be as great as it looks on that one chart. Here's the thing. You need to be careful. You need to have a diversified portfolio. You need to be patient. You need to focus on long-term stuff. You cannot let the noise of the news media or the people around you, you can't let that noise affect your long-term strategy. Because here's the other piece of the puzzle. If you have a very good, solid financial plan that's set up to give you a great retirement, give you the income that you need, give you the stability that you need for 25, 30, 40 years of retirement, if you already have that set up, I will tell you, messing with your portfolio and making emotional decisions based off of some of the information that you're hearing or things that you're seeing in the news can blow an entire financial plan up in a matter of a couple of years that you've planned for 20 plus years, right? This is important to say that part of your plan 
making your portfolio a part of your plan and not the only piece of your plan, making it a part of your overall plan is the biggest part that as a financial advisor that we can bring to the table value wise for you. Yeah, the planning, uh, the advisory side of it, the the advice and the plan are more important than the portfolio. Now, I know what people are sitting there going, are you kidding me? It's about me making money in that portfolio. Well, if you're focused on that, then you're not focused on your overall plan. You're not going to ever be successful. You need to focus on your life plan with investing and retirement planning. And then we put the investment portfolio together based on all that. And then you have to have that long-term perspective. It's very, it's, it's relatively simple, but absolutely hard as can be for most people. Right. And, and I will tell you, like I say, if your portfolio is in a good diversified setup, I will tell you, I did look at somebody's, a couple of people's plans this summer. You know, after the coronavirus thing hit, people were very, very conscious of, oh no, is this going to affect my long-term retirement? Whether they were already taking income or they're planning on retiring in like five years or something like that, is this year going to ruin everything? Is it throw a wrench in the plan? And you'd be very surprised to see that, let's say a client had a 20% drop in their portfolio back in March or April, wherever we were at at the bottom, if they had a 20% drop, the long-term effect on a retirement plan isn't a whole lot. If we look at the percentage and probability of them making it through retirement, even in that moment, you can see that if we keep the diversification and things happen according to standard deviation, everything that we use for data to plug into that stuff it actually only has a few percentage point difference of effect on the longevity of everything. And so we have to stay patient. We have to remember that, yes, a 20% hit in the market, when we look at our portfolio and it's down tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, that doesn't feel good. But we also have to remember that over a 10-year period, this might just be a blip on the radar. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so... That just tells you that you got to quit focusing on the immediate term. Again, I've used this uh, analogy before, snake in a grass. I just see the blades of the grass in my eyes. I can't see the forest across the field. So I'm focused on the blade of grass right in front of me, which is the moment we're living in right now. It's the immediate moment. And if we focus on that, we're always going to be on a yo-yo ride. We're never going to be satisfied. We're probably going to let money control our life, which is an absolute terrible thing to have happen. And we're never really totally going to be satisfied and happy. Right. So keep that in mind uh, as you guys are doing some of your retirement planning, you're looking at some of these things, you're trying to decide what should my portfolio be. You need to pick a long-term diversified portfolio that fits your risk factor. If you need help with that kind of stuff, you need help designing a retirement plan, you need help designing a portfolio that fits your retirement plan, you can always give us a call or shoot me an email. Uh, You can go to fikeadvisors.com. And you can click the Schedule Now button in the top right corner to schedule a free 30-minute phone call with us. We'd be happy to talk about things. We may not have all the answers for you, or maybe we'll have some answers for you. But the reality is you'll never get any answers if you don't ask anyone. So take your time to go to our website, click that Schedule Now button, or you can always shoot me an email. It's taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at fikeadvisors.com. I'd be happy to answer a question there as well. What we really want here in our office is we want people to realize that money is a tool right? This whole financial side of your lifestyle, it is a tool and we want you to use it to get the most out of your life. We want you to have a great retirement. We want you to be able to focus on the things that matter most, whether it's your family, 
whether it's uh, your hobbies, whatever it is. We want you to be able to do the things that you love. And so give us a call. We'd be happy to help you get along your way there with that stuff. And in the meantime, we uh, have some guests coming up later this year. Uh, so keep posted for our next podcast. We release an episode uh, twice a month, the first and the third Thursday of every month. So you can check out our next episode. Uh, we're going to continue going through this retire ASAP process. So stay tuned for some more great information. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.